Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 299. My name is Adam Patterson. Oh, With me today, got Kevin Rakestraw. How are you, Kevin? I just realized what that means. Yeah, we're getting close to that 300 mark. Got a special episode lined up for you next week for 300. Uh, I'm pretty excited for it. I, like, am, but knowing what you have planned, I'm also not at all. I think it's going to be special. It's going to be something. It's going to be something. (laughs) I don't think it's going to be as bad as you think it will. Do... I, well, that one bit that you you played my voice for like <laughs> six seconds, and I was like, God, that is the worst thing ever. <laughs> so if it's more than six seconds of my voice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Well, maybe it'll be pretty bad for you then. <laughs> oh, man. This week on the show, we'll be discussing Helene Catet and Bruno Frizzani's Let the Corpses Tan along with someone watching on the watch list and going over this week's new releases in theaters, VOD and a Blu-ray. No big announcements this week other than our next episode of Saved by the 90s is in the can. So keep an eye out on our Twitter and Facebook pages to find out when that will be released. And we will be sprinkling in some hints as to what, movies we'll be covering uh, throughout the week, so keep an eye on that. Other than that, let's jump into our review. Let the Corpses Tan. Love that title. I love that title. Tan them up. Tan tan those corpses. (laughs) Get them. A grizzled thug and his gang head to an island retreat with a haul of 250 kilograms of gold bullion to lay low. However, a bohemian writer, his muse, and a pair of police officers further complicate things as allegiances are put to the test. Now, I'm a pretty big fan of this duo's previous films. I did, I just watched uh, The Strange Color of Your Body's Tears this week. Okay. That, that was one that I, I was like on my watch list forever. Yeah. And it just kept eluding me. So this, this week after I watched let the corpses tan, I was like, I need to go back and watch uh strange color of your body's tears. So I gave it a rent on, I rented it on voodoo. It's like the first time I ever Ooh. rented anything on voodoo. <laughs> I think you might be the first person I've ever heard that's used voodoo. Yeah. It was like 99 cents. On there, so I was like, "All right, yeah, I'll give it a rent." And uh, the quality was good; like, I was I was very pleased with. Well, that's good. The result, but getting back to this movie, Kevin. Now you saw the strange color of your body's tears. Did mm-hmm. you see their previous film, uh, A Mare? Uh, yes. Okay. I, yeah. So you saw all they have, right? Yeah. So you you saw their three. They've done three feature films. They've done some shorts. They did one of the shorts in ABCs of Death, and then they did some other shorts before that. Okay. But you have now you have now covered their filmography. What did you think about Let the Corpses Tan? 
What did I think of this guy? I, knowing who they were, you know, them making this movie, I didn't really, like, look into anything about what Let the Corpses Tan is, what it was about. Like, I didn't, I didn't see a trailer, I didn't read a synopsis or anything, so I kind of just went into it cold. And, um, I gotta say, I was, like, I was a little bit let down. I thought, you know, with the, the previous films, there was more of a, like a surrealist layer to it. And I mean, there's a little bit in this one, but this is relatively straightforward. Except for, you know, a couple things here and there. But I, like, I just, I kept waiting for it to, like, take this, like, sharp detour, and it just never seemed to do it. It does so more towards the end, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, it certainly is not as out there as their last film strange color of your body's yeah. tears i mean it, it this this one is is much more grounded aside from the unbelievably overstylized visuals which that's what draws me to their work i i love their aesthetic i i think that they absolutely nail the vibe of the kind of 70s uh, Giallo film, which was their first two movies, were more paying homage to Giallo, whereas this one is more like the uh, the seventies uh, Italian Polizzi movie, like yeah. the police the police movies. And I uh, I just love their their look, man. Like they. They throw, they have the sort of a kitchen sink approach when it comes to visuals where they just, they're doing like split screens and all these crazy color filters. And the, the other thing that I love about their movies is the sound. They churn, they just jack up the sound on everything and everything is so pronounced and precise and Everything is so uh, meticulous when it comes to the the sound editing of this movie, especially leather. We talked about that off the air. Man, that leather! Oh, oh boy, was that irritating? I just that killed me because I was like, I was kind of hanging in there for a little bit at the beginning. I'm like, man, this fucking leather is great on my nerves but just hang in there kevin you can do it and then the two cops show up and they're just all leather everything Mm -hmm. that they're wearing is leather and i was just like god damn it are you kidding me and they're moving constantly like their legs and their arms and it's just leather 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 and uh i think that took me out a good bit which seems kind of petty and a bit ridiculous but Jesus fucking Christ. It's just leather. Shit ton of leather. If you hate the sound of leather, then this movie could be problematic for you. Yeah, because like right off the bat, I was like, oh yeah, I hate the sound of leather. Shit. And he like five minutes in, it's like, oh man, there's there's going to be a lot of leather sounds in this movie. This is going to be tough. And then like I said, those two cops show up. And you're just like, do they have to be wearing nothing but leather? Like, we can tone it down on the leather, I think. 
What did you think of the visuals overall? I thought, I mean, like you said, they kind of have this this kitchen sink approach to it. This one, though, I it felt like it was, I thought it felt a little bit lacking stylistically. Um, there was a lot of like recycled stuff where it's just, I don't know how many times they did the, you know, it's dark and they smoke a cigarette and they just like shine, like illuminate their faces in red. I don't know, it seems like they did that seven or eight times. Nothing really got me excited. You know, there's a couple flashes here and there where I was like, okay, here we go. It's like, it was like it was getting warmed up, but it just, it never got cooking. I, I really enjoyed pretty much all of the the vi- this the stylish visuals in this i uh i like the setting this kind of weird like almost castle looking structure everything felt everything was very saturated and everything felt hot you know like there were a lot of close ups if you've seen their other movies they they love doing oh, close ups yeah. like ultra close ups on people and faces and objects and everything looked just hot and sweaty and uncomfortable <laughs> in this it movie. It did, which, you know, doesn't seem conducive for leather. Certainly not. That's their uniform though. That's, that's what they got to wear. <laughs> it seems like a stupid uniform. Does it not? <laughs> I mean, it's it let the guys fucking breathe a little bit. Jesus. But at like halfway through the movie, for me, it was like, man, this is just a shit ton of close-ups of eyes and leather sounds. Like, that's that's what I'm getting from this. I think that a lot of it was done to build tension because, as I stated in the synopsis, there's this, you know, they, they start betraying each other and they start questioning their loyalties and they start killing each other and it... The the tension is, I think, supposed to be cranked up towards the end. I didn't really feel a- any tension in it. No, but. and I think they kind of undercut that because you always know how the allegiances shifted. Like, they tell you immediately. Like, nothing's ever, <laughs> like, you know, kind of withheld. Where you're like, right. oh, who's on whose side here? It's just immediately like, I'm not on your side anymore. I'm on this side. One of the other interesting things they do is they play around with time a lot in this movie. So they'll shift time very frequently. So they'll, they'll show something and then they'll jump back like two minutes or even like one minute, or sometimes they even keep it the same time, but just show that same moment from a different perspective. And Mm -hmm. I liked that technique a lot too. Yeah. I thought that that did at least freshen it up a little bit. Now I gotta ask, what did you think about the the champagne lactation scene at the end? That was that was I was honestly when that happened, I was like, here we go. This is I mean, this isn't necessarily exactly what I was looking for, but this was more so of what I was expecting. Not just kind of this straightforward, you know. There's some criminals stuck at this beachside castle slash church ruins and they're just having a shootout. You know, I was I was I was expecting more of that abstraction 
Mm-hmm. So when that happened, I was like, man, this is ridiculous, but this is this is who they are. Here we go. We're gonna we're getting into it now. And then that was kinda it. That was that was it. It's just the same <laughs> champagne lactation. Which I that's that's something to have, you know. That could come in handy a lot of times, I think. <laughs> If you if you were able to do that, that'd be sweet. Yeah. Every everywhere you go is a celebration. You can have champagne, free champagne, free champagne, any moment you feel. You can turn any moment into a party. It's ridiculous. Yep. It's pretty cool. I'm su- I'm kind of surprised that she didn't use it more often. I enjoyed that scene, and I also liked the scene when the one guy was getting like shot up the guy when he was by the gold and it was like shooting him with gold paint. Like he was getting just doused in gold everywhere. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Thought that was a really cool looking shot as well. I mean, as far as like, again, aesthetically, this is, this is the type of movie that is really checks all the boxes for me. Uh, I, I enjoyed the opening titles, which were actually pretty much the same as The Strange Color of Your Body's Tears. I can't remember the opening titles to uh, Amer, but something tells me that, that they were probably the same in that one as well. But it's a uh, lot less words, though. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's probably much quicker. I the one The one scene, and you can see this in the trailer, is there's a there's like a car accident that happens at one point. And I loved the shot of the car smashing into the wall and then the glass shooting out onto the hood of the car. I thought that that looked really cool. And there's a lot of, I think pretty decent shootout scenes in this movie. Oh yeah. I mean, the whole movie is essentially a shootout, right? (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. It's just an hour and a half of shootouts. I also really enjoyed the soundtrack. I was really digging the score. I too enjoyed the music. I mean, there's plenty, there's, there's plenty to like about the movie. I just think overall, like, as far as their filmography goes, to me, I kind of saw it as a step back from the strange color of your body's tears. And it was slightly a little because because they're relatively new, and I'm kind of exciting for excited for what they do because there's not really anyone that does what they're doing right now. I would say that maybe uh, Anna Biller is making movies that, while they aren't as sort of playing with the surreal aspects. She yeah. she she's making movies that definitely hold a similar look in yeah. that in that she both both of these directors manage to make a movie look authentically old. You know, yeah. like oh, these be, yeah. like these movies, they look they're convincingly yeah, cause, dated. Yeah, because you probably could have shown this to me without me knowing like if I didn't know who the director was and you told me hey this is from like 1977 
there's a good chance I might have believed you. Yeah, there's very, very little that makes that that sort of shows you that it's a modern film. And I think that they really do a great job of making it look vintage. And I think you, to get back to what you were saying about like Anna Biller, where that like this is a little bit the thing that's different between these two and Anna Biller for me is like that's that surrealist twinge to it where I don't going into it there is something that I could potentially see in one of their movies that I've never even thought of existing you know that's true to use champagne lactation as an example I've never in a million years would have thought like oh there should probably be a movie or a scene where someone lactates uh champagne for me, this was the perfect blend of a a grounded story with some of those more surreal elements. Whereas I think it's like the opposite for you, right? Like you you prefer the film being just way more out there and sort of obtuse from the get go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not re- not necessarily from the get-go. Maybe about like hey, I was just I just kind of wanted the 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 train to come off the tracks and just go to fucking somewhere that I didn't even know existed. Yeah. Cuz that's always fun and exciting for me. But I totally get what you're saying too. It's, it's kind of like this this happy medium, more of like a yeah, a little bit more accessible. The strange color of your body's tears is definitely less accessible that, that movie, shit barely even makes sense yeah that movie is really <laughs> out there and i could not wrap my head around what was happening in that movie and i i think there's i like when that happens not all the time you know but i like to have that have that experience once in a while where i just watch something where you know the director or directors just seem to be operating on a completely different wavelength and I'm just kind of lost. I don't know what the fuck is happening. I, sometimes I like that. I don't mind that all the time. Sometimes when that happens in a movie, I it starts to lose me because I don't know where they're going. And I start to feel impatient. Like it, it sometimes mm, that, yeah. that'll make me feel impatient. Like, all right, let's let's move on here because I, I see no end point. Like I, I, they could just keep showing me weird random occurrences forever and I, and I don't see an end game. <laughs> so I become impatient with it. That isn't to say I didn't enjoy the strange color of your body's tears. I, I did enjoy that film, but I, I still think uh, for me, I enjoyed this, this film more than that one. Not much more, but yeah. Slightly with, more with let the corpses tan when they do the, uh, you know, they set up the whole, the ambush to rob the, the truck. I mean, as soon as that essentially started in motion, I was just like, Adam just loves this shit. I know he's going to fucking love this. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's going to fucking love it. I really loved their first film, Amer, too, which was that was more of your straight up sort of traditional giallo 
if I remember correctly, yeah. it was all POV from the from the killer's POV. And uh, I I really liked that one, but for me, I think I I think I liked Let the Corpses Tan slightly more than Amer. Okay. Yeah, it definitely hit all the right notes for me. So it did Good. towards the end, like in the final act, it did slightly fall apart for me. It it did start to lose me. Uh, to be honest with you, like I I don't know what it was specifically, but. I did start to, I was kind of ready for it to, to be over, but overall, I think that it was uh, a pretty fun experience and I, I just, I want more. I want them to come out with a movie every year and I know that it probably takes them a really long time to make these movies, yeah. but, but I just, I want more from them because I really nice. love what they're doing. It would be nice to get a movie. As long as they, as long as they stick to th- that style, you know, I don't want to see them doing some, some like, some big departure from what they're doing now. I hope they come out. I hope their next movie is like in, set in the eighties and it's like a coming of age tale, set over like the summer or something <laughs> in California. You know? Yeah, in a surf community. It's just this. But it's also got some comedy in it. <laughs> it sure does. 14-year-old spends most of his time split between surfing and the arcade. And it gets into like a, I don't know, and it comes of age. and credits. <laughs> oh, man, that would be... I would shed a tear <laughs> if that was the case. <laughs> that would not be cool. What are you going to give Let the Corpses Tan out of 10? I give it like a six and a half. Um, I'm sitting around a seven for this one. Okay. This is playing yeah. in limited release right now. I would suggest uh, checking it out. Love the marketing materials for this as well. There's the the regular poster that they released is great. And then the they released a Mondo poster for this also, which is really good. That's another thing. Like the, all of the marketing and posters for their films are fantastic. Yes. Love. I love what they do. Love it. All right. Let's <laughs> move on. I can't get enough of it. It's an addiction. Uh, let's move on and talk about some of watching on the watch list. Keeping with the sort of Italian theme, saw a couple mm-hmm. of uh, Giallo films this week. Arrow. I saw one as well. Nice. Got a theme yeah. going. Got, got a theme uh-huh. going here. We can just use this as a Halloween episode. Yeah. Just replay it. <laughs> People might be disappointed with that. Yeah, maybe. Not I, about it. I did two Blu-ray reviews this week, two Arrow films. The first being, What Have They Done to Your Daughters? Directed by Massimo uh, Delamano. Okay. This, this is sort of a cross between a an Italian giallo film and also an Italian police film. So there's this really strong procedural aspect to this film. It's about a girl who is found dead in an attic and they initially believe that it was a suicide because she, she hanged herself, but then they quickly discover that this is actually, this was actually a murder. And as they, 
continue their investigation, they find that there's this huge government cover-up of this child prostitution racket that's happening. And this killer is riding around on a motorcycle and he's killing anybody that might've been involved. So anytime that they find a, a suspect or a witness or somebody that knows any information at all, that person ends up dead. So there's this sort of cat and mouse game that's being played with the police and this leather clad uh, motorcycle killer. And it's great. This was, this movie was great. It has a lot more action in it than your typical Giallo film, but there's still that kind of heavy murder mystery that also incorporates a lot of, uh, like sex in it. Like a lot of Giallo films happen to, to do. And, uh, it's pretty good. There's this really great motorcycle chase sequence that happens and it's surprisingly well done. I would definitely recommend what have they done to your daughters? This is part of a sort of a loose trilogy that uh, Delamano did. His first film was what have you done to Solange? And then this film, this film was what have they done to your daughters? And then the third film in the series, I can't remember the name of it. He actually died before it got released and someone else took over. I would definitely recommend checking it out. I actually have not seen what have you done to Solange, but I I do want to check that out as well as some of Delamano's other films. I, this is the only film of his that I've seen. He only has a few, he only directed a few movies before he was um, tragically killed in a car accident. But he liked to make movies about sexuality and government corruption. Like a lot of his movies are sort of discuss corruption of the government. But he's made such classic titles as Super Bitch and Venus and Fur. So he also did an adaptation of Dorian Gray. That was pretty big. So anyway, uh, I would recommend checking out what have they done to your daughters on Arrow Blu-ray. There's a lot of great bonus supplements in it. So certainly check it out. I watched uh, Don't Torture a Duckling from... Uh, yeah, a little, little Fulci, uh, little Fulci, Fulci action. 1972. Um, <clears throat> now, what I didn't know is that this had like a uh, an Arrow release. So this movie was... It's really critical of the Catholic Church when it came out in 1972. So it essentially just blacklisted... Didn't really get to play anywhere. Didn't ever make it to the U.S. until like, I can't remember the exact year. But apparently like Anchor Bay got a hold of it and released the DVD. I got that DVD. Okay. I didn't get the Arrow. I didn't get the good one. I got this piece of shit DVD that didn't even really have a fucking menu on it. It just went straight to the movie. And uh, it was dubbed. So it wasn't in, in Italian. It was all dubbed, so that was kind of shitty. I actually want to, <clears throat> but I want to come back to that. But continue. Okay, maybe it was supposed to be dubbed. I don't know. 
But um, this movie is, whew, man, this is quite good. This is a fucking phenomenal film. It was surprising how good it was. It's weird because there's kind of this, uh, a lot of the the special effects are great. Like there is one sequence in particular that is really, really difficult to watch where this, this woman who is a suspect, all these kids are dying and she's kind of like this suspect because she like lives out in the woods and she does like witchcraft and stuff, does some sorcery. And uh, so the the parents of the kids that have that have died kind of meet up with her in a in a cemetery with some with chains and whatnot, and it's it's all soundtracked by like their the one guy's car radio is still playing, and uh, they essentially lynch her, and it is incredibly difficult to watch, but like the the effects during that sequence are incredible. It looks phenomenal and then there's a sequence where there's they found a kid drowned in a tub and it's obviously a doll i guess they couldn't get a kid to lay underwater for like a minute so it's this doll that looks absolutely terrible it's kind of funny and then there's a huge thing at the end where someone gets thrown off of a cliff and it is a doll and it is not a good doll it is it is Perhaps one of the worst dolls I've ever seen. And he does all of it in close-up. So it's like this... <laughs> I remember. Ex- ext- <laughs> it's this extended <laughs> sequence of dude falling down a cliff. And it's cut with, like, him doing voiceover and, like, some, you know, images of him earlier of the movie, him, you know, doing stuff. And it'll keep coming back to it. Super close up. His face will just smash into the, the cliff face. And there's a couple of times where it, it sparks. I'm not sure why. But his face will hit like a point on the rock. And it'll spark. And not only is it in close up. But I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong. But I'm pretty sure it's in slow-mo too. <laughs> Which yeah. it's just. It's kind of the funniest thing I've ever seen. But at the same time. The rest of the movie is so good that I didn't care. Like, the movie built up so much goodwill that I just forgave it. I was like, fucking fine. This is great. I love it. And I didn't I didn't count it against the movie at all because I'm just like, whatever. I mean, you figured it out. I was not a fan of this movie. Really? I, yeah, I thought it was okay, but I had a real hard time with the special effects. Like, I... I I had a really hard time with that. And I also, I don't remember this. I mean, I wrote it in my, I'm looking at my review uh, and on Letterboxd and I had a hard time with the editing. I said that the editing was all over the place, which I, yeah, I don't I remember. Think, yeah. I don't I remember enough. was right. It seems like all those, all those movies from back then, pretty much anything from the seventies Italian didn't seem to be well edited. I did write, Despite all that, I still had a good time with this one, especially that unintentionally funny ending, which yeah. is one of the few things I remember about that movie. It's fucking incredible. I mean, it's a must watch. It's a must watch just for that. Like, you have to see that. <laughs> it's, you won't forget it's, it. No, it's it like in the history of movies. I mean, 
memorable scenes. That that's one of them for me. That's canon. It's a canon scene. I wanted to talk about the the whole dubbing versus subtitles in these Italian films of this time. I because the 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 two Arrow movies that I saw this week, they had both the Italian tracks and the English tracks, and. Yeah. I actually, so when I started watching What Have They Done to Your Daughters, I was watching it in the original Italian soundtrack, and it felt weird to me. Like, it felt off. Like, something wasn't right as I was watching it. And I was like, oh, well, maybe it's because I'm so used to watching these movies dubbed in English that that's what's off. So I switched it over to the English soundtrack, which, by the way, the English soundtrack on this particular movie is incredible. Like it is, it, I mean, it looks like this movie was shot in English, which it may have been because a lot of these movies, they actually shot them with the actors, like saying their lines in English, even though they didn't speak English. And then they just dubbed over top of it. Mm. But yeah, at I any mean, rate, even I, with the, the, the dubbing for don't torture a duckling, like it didn't take you out of it. Cause it, for the most part kind of matched up enough that it wasn't like what the fuck your lips are moving but it's not what you're saying yeah so i know that it might be sacrilegious to say but i prefer these italian horror movies to to be dubbed i actually prefer i like the option because if it's like really really bad or something then i'll switch it over but i find them to be more enjoyable in their in their dubbed forms mostly because the dubbing was good you know it wasn't mm-hmm. we're not talking like godzilla silliness yeah well and the thing that kind of bumps me out because the arrow does have it has the option for for both you can do either or and it's just that you know i watched the, the essentially the shittiest dvd that exists for don't torture a duckling and i loved it i absolutely loved it and I'm just like I miss out on like experiencing Don't Torture a Duckling for the first time watching the Arrow release. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So how much I might have even loved it even more. We'll never know, Adam. That's experience. What, yeah. Just th- gone. That's what I love about these Arrow releases and why I tend to like there's certain ones that I'll pick up that I've seen before that I know I love this movie and I need to have this movie in my life, in my collection. But a lot of the movies that I'll pick up from Arrow are movies that I've never seen before, like uh, The Cat of Nine Tales, which was the other one that I saw this week. This is an early Argento from 1971. And just seeing it in like the best, most pristine form possible, I think really does add to the experience. Now, regarding Cat of Nine Tales, I wasn't a huge fan of this movie overall, but it was okay. It was still pretty enjoyable. It It's about a reporter who teams up with this blind journalist in order to s- solve a series of murders that are happening in uh, Turin, Italy. Now, the interesting thing is like, Argento himself says on the Blu-ray, because there's a new interview with him on the Blu-ray, 
he says like this was not my best movie like i was not proud of this movie he felt that it was too american and i'm not sure exactly what he means by that but i think maybe he was referring to just how sort of procedural it was and it was he played it fairly safe with the content there was a there were two really crazy scenes in this movie one was involving a guy who gets hit by a train and they do this close up of like the front of the train the little sort of i don't know what that is like a bumper type thing mm-hmm. hitting the guy directly in the face and oh, it's wow. super close up slow mo whacking the guy in the face and blood's just shooting everywhere and then the guy falls in between the the platform and the train and they oh, use Jesus. they they use this dummy and they have a real train that's going through and it just like twists like super fast and it's just getting all twisted up in the tracks and it looked so crazy and then so that was amazing and then the other scene was involving a man who gets pushed into an elevator shaft and he's trying to break his fall as he's falling down this elevator shaft so he grabs onto the cables so he's sliding down the cables and you just see smoke coming out from his hands as the cables are just tearing the shit out of his hands and the sound that it makes as he's falling is just it's like nails on a chalkboard so I would say that the movie overall is a light recommend for me. Certainly not one of Argento's best, but it's also <laughs> interesting to see what the early, um, like what early Giallo was. And you can see sort of the influence that that has on later films in that genre. So hey, Cat of Nine Tails. Light recommend. That's actually also part of a trilogy. He had uh, the Animal trilogy, which was the uh, the bird with the crystal plumage, then Cat of Nine Tails, and then Four Flies on Gray Velvet. Oh, the titles are so great. <laughs> yeah, I I have not seen uh, the Bird with the Crystal Plumage was his very first film, and Cat of Nine Tails was his second film. The greatest titles ever. It's just unfortunate because nowadays it's just like hostile. Hostile. This is my last one from 1989. Written and directed by Eddie Murphy. Harlem Nights. It's got, you got Eddie Murphy in the starring role. Playing Quick. You got Richard Pryor in there. He runs this like, uh, this after hours place. Does gambling prostitution does whole sorts of things and quick is kind of like his right hand man and then it has red fox also who plays like one of the one of the the i think he oversees like a dice game and uh this is like it's pretty great it's a period piece set in 30s harlem uh which looks fantastic it is the comedy is actually pretty modern which is great it's just kind of all these all these guys just riffing on each other, and Della Reese is also in. She like she heads the uh, the prostitutes, and uh, so much of it is just either Della Reese, Red Fox, or Eddie Murphy just making fun of each other. Now the only thing that's kind of like a downside to that is a lot of Eddie Murphy's 
jokes are just like he they're one dimensional like all of his stuff with Della Reese and there's a lot with Della Reese it's just him calling her a fat bitch just like a lot which like I guess there's like a novelty at first where you're like wow you know it's Eddie Murphy and Red Fox and Della Reese and they you know calling each other names but then like the 20th time that he does it you're like okay do you have other material besides fat bitch like come on the fuck so to me that was like that was one of the things that kind of kept taking me out of it but everything else yeah i guess that's the sign of the times yeah well it's just like okay i'm not it's the 80s eddie murphy all right whatever but it was just like just over and over again and you didn't say anything else to Della Reese. like that was your only insult to her it was just like wow dude you're supposed to be like a comedian like do you got anything else this is it the interesting thing though is richard pryor his character is like he's like really soft just like a really caring guy just looking out for eddie murphy and i guess the the entire reason this was made is because eddie murphy wanted to work with richard pryor like just had to work with him because he was such a huge influence and I guess there was like a memoir that Pryor wrote where he kind of talked about Eddie Murphy and he said he didn't quite understand the connection people would make between Murphy and Pryor because he always thought Eddie Murphy's comedy was just too mean and I guess Richard Pryor's character was supposed to be like meaner in this movie but he just kind of downplayed it and played it like as a softer like father figure type and then to to read about that and kind of like the only issue that i had with the movie was like man eddie murphy just comes off as like really mean in this movie and then they kind of read that too it's like okay i'm not the only one that thought that (laughs) (laughs) i want to see this i've i've never seen this movie it's on uh amazon prime yeah, I want to. I'm going to give this a look. This is one that I've seen like the, that cover a million times, and I just never picked it up. I mean, they do the like the period piece of it is it's fantastic. I mean, you can clearly see that it's like on a sound sound stage, like it sets and everything, but it's it's pretty phenomenal. All right, and that's Harlem Nights. There's one other one that I'll mention. I saw Searching this week. That's okay. the the one that. The one that came out, uh, it came out here in New York last weekend. I think it went wide this weekend. Uh, directed by Anish Chiganti. This is uh, stars John Cho. It takes place entirely on a computer screen, and he is searching for his missing daughter. And it is an excellent thriller. Uh, I, I'm not completely convinced on this style of storytelling where it's all on a computer screen, but this movie is definitely the best example of that. How it somehow can portray characters emotion from their actions on a computer screen. It was pretty incredible how it managed to do that. And I I like the unfriended movies, you know, which do the same style as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. But this this 
blows those out of the water. Really? Yeah. It. Whereas the Unfriended movies are sort of this kind of fun, campy horror novelty, this is like a serious thriller that will actually evoke emotion in you. Although Unfriended Dark Web did make me in very depressed after I saw it. No, <laughs> it was a very disturbing movie. I've said that on the oh, show. Yeah, I do but, remember you saying that. But uh, this movie is, it's just so well made. It It's a lot more polished than the Unfriended movies. It feels like the, something as simple as like the mouse movements and stuff feel very fluid and those feel... I don't want to say fake, but very deliberate. But one of the things that they do in this that they don't do in those Unfriended movies is that they will focus on specific parts of the screen. So they'll be like, there's actually like camera movement. So they'll be like, they'll be panning across the screen and zooming in on different areas and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So that was sort of an interesting mechanic to add to this style of movie. And John Cho is does a really great job in it. Deborah Messing's in it as well. And I would highly recommend checking out lots of, it's a great mystery. I mean, lots of twists and turns and you think it's going to go one way and it goes another way. And he uncovers new secrets and it's just a very intriguing little thriller. And I would highly recommend checking it out. Nice. Let's talk about what's coming out in theaters this week. We got The Nun. What do you think about The Nun? Uh, This is a weird one because I've seen numerous people talk about it on Twitter, but I have never seen anything about The Nun. Mm. It's a Conjuring prequel, sort of spinoff prequel. Okay. (laughs) I think it looks... looks scary i don't know if the movie will be good but it definitely looks scary i'm gonna check it out but it could just be one of those things where the trailer is scary you also have peppermint this is one with jennifer garner revenge story about her family gets murdered and she trains herself to become a killer nope yeah, no, I'm not uh, I'm not too interested in this one either. It does not look very good. We got I'm Not a Witch. Oh, yeah. Heard good things. Heard good things. That's a good movie. Got Cold Skin. Not a good movie. Don't recommend. Okay. I have a review for that up on the site. Hal. I think it's a doc- that's a documentary about Hal Ashby. Yeah. Okay. All right. Doc- Hal Ashby doc. I like the poster for that. Bisbee 17. Oh, yeah. That looks interesting. It's the newest one from uh, Robert Greene. Yeah. Uh, got The Apparition. Is that a Conjuring prequel? <laughs> it's another one. <laughs> uh, it's just, I'm just, I'm kind of interested now at, at this point just to see how many times they can spin that off. I feel like they're going to run out of spooky characters to spin off into their own movie. But also, if you think about it, 
that room that what are their names? Ed and Lorraine. Mm-hmm. The that room that they have with exactly. all the little trinkets, like they they could just that's make right there movies. Like, the, right there is like fifty four potential spinoffs. They could just keep doing that forever. I th- I don't think this one has anything to do with the two of them though. Like this okay. one is actually about the that nun ghost demon figure that was in the conjuring movies. Okay. I don't think Ed and Lorraine are involved in this one because it takes place many, many, many years in the past. We also have Mara coming out. There's another, there's a horror movie. Uh, that's pretty much it for the bigger releases on VOD this week. We have hostile, sorry, hostile, I was about to say what? <laughs> not not hostile. Hostile coming out. Horror movie. We got Venus comedy. We got Any Bullet Will Do. That's a Western. We got Trench Eleven. That's another horror film that looks I might might give that one a look. We got Silencer. It's an action film with Danny Trejo. Dr. Brinks and Dr. Brinks. That's a comedy. Yeah. I like the the poster for that one. It has this sort of throwback early 80s National Lampoon vibe to it. I'm sure that the movie's not great, but got the Dawn Seeker. Seeker the Dawn. Sci-fi movie. Davy's Way. Or maybe it's Davy's Way. Probably what it know. is. Davy's Way. Follows the Italian-American and New York-born actor Robert Davi, a Frank Sinatra song stylist, as he attempts to plan a tribute performance to his singing idol, a recreation of the chairman's famous main event held in 1974 at Madison Square Garden. Good luck with that. (laughs) Why make a movie out of that? It seems so ridiculous. Then on Friday, we have... Sierra Burgess is a loser on Netflix. It's a yeah. com- comedy starring the uh, the actress from Stranger Things, and she's in Riverdale. Also, her name's Shannon Purser. Age of Summer. That's a coming of age dramedy, I believe, that takes place in the eighties. Wow, who would have thought? Yeah, this one's, you know, I I always buy into the coming of age stories and 80s stories, not this one. I checked out the trailer for this and I'm just like, nope, I am not buying that. Mara's coming out on VOD as well, uh, along with Five Fingers for, how do you say that? Marcellus? I don't no, feel I don't like know. that's correct. I don't see. Anyway. City of Joy coming out on Netflix. Next Gen coming out on Netflix also. That's an animated film. And then on Blu-ray this week, we got Hereditary coming out. Okay. Uh, I have a Blu-ray review for that up on the site right now. Decent Blu-ray. Not that many features on there. So, I mean, it's worth watching again at home. But 
I don't necessarily know if it's worth picking up the Blu-ray just yet yeah. because I have a feeling that they're going to later release even maybe even a criterion of this movie and it's going to be chock full of features. This one only has, it has a pretty good making of featurette and it has some deleted scenes that are actually pretty good deleted scenes. There's a decent number of them and they actually expand on some of the characters specifically Gabriel, specifically Gabriel Burns character. Does it have a like a commentary track? No, and that's that was gonna that was gonna be a big thing that I that was actually my next uh, point. It does not have a commentary track, and I'm not sure why, but it is that is missing. So very disappointing with that, but it's still a decent release. I would just wait. Until some yeah, sort of collectors, it doesn't, it doesn't sound like a like a buy it though. Yeah, I w- if you want to see it again, I w- you could rent the digital version or even purchase the digital version. We've got ghost stories coming out. This was a pretty good horror movie that came out earlier this year. The one with um, Martin Freeman. Cover on this one is pretty bad, but the movie's good. Won't you be my neighbor? Coming out. I'm going to give this a look this week. I'm going to try to. I've been meaning to watch this, the Mr. Rogers documentary. Oh, yeah. been hearing about this for like fucking a year and a half. Yeah, it was at Sundance, and I missed it there, and then I missed it when it was in theaters. Uh, Adrift coming out. Mm, that's the one where she's stranded on a boat. Alright. Shailene Woodley. Oh, the old stranded on a boat. Yep. Nightmare Before Christmas is getting a 25th anniversary release. Alright, cool. Arrow is putting out Bloody Spirit Mount Fuji. What? That sounds amazing. From 1955. Yeah. Yes. Give it to me. This is a classic samurai tale. Looks pretty good. Beast coming out. Arrow is also releasing a new special edition of Deep Red, which is the Dario Argento film from 1975. Uh, this this is a must buy for me. Okay. I Deep Red is one of my favorite Argento films. One of my all time favorite horror movies. I can't wait for them to put this out. I think. I have a feeling they put this out before. Maybe it was just in the UK, but I'm glad it's coming out now here in the US. Yeah, I think I I think I got to start getting some Arrow DVDs. Oh, they're so good, man. They're they're like they're so loaded with features. Uh yeah, Cop and a Half comes out. This is from 1993, the the classic Burt Reynolds comedy. Uh, found footage 3D getting a Blu-ray release. This is on Shutter. If you if you have Shutter, you can give this a look now. Ideal Home. That's the comedy with Steve Coogan and Paul Rudd. Okay. Didn't hear much about that. I, no, I take it. I, it just... I take it. It wasn't very good. 
I think that that was like a day and date VOD release. And it seemed to have gone by. Announced on Blu-ray already. mentioned from anyone. That's pretty much it. What do we have on Criterion? We have one Criterion. Uh, it's quite, quite good. And that's uh, Bergman's Scenes from a Marriage. Which is, uh, I consider to be one of his best movies. This is from 1973. It is, so what it has on this bad boy is, because this movie was originally not a movie. It was a five-hour, six-part television miniseries. So it has that. You get the five-hour television cut. But then you also get the the three-hour theatrical cut. Mm. So you get both cuts. You get both versions in there. Very cool. And then you get, you know, all the special features that, always get dumped in those criterions very cool nice all right i think that's going to do it for this week thank you so much for listening you can send us your questions and topics to feedback at filmpulse.net you can follow us on twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin if you have a minute take a look at our patreon page patreon.com slash filmpulse consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber for kevin rakestraw my name is adam patterson we'll see you next week